This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses Plus. One of the things I love about The Great Courses Plus is the depth of each course. It's almost like each course has a bunch of mini courses inside. Take the course, How to Grow Anything, Food Gardening for Everyone. My first thought was, I don't have a sunny place in my yard to grow a garden. But when I looked, I discovered that it covers sprouts, microgreens, windowsill herb gardens, and other edible container gardens, as well as composting, which are all things that I'm interested in. And I know the content will be reliable because they use top-level experts and professors for all their courses. So with the weather cooling off and my local farmer's market getting ready to close up for the winter, The Great Courses Plus has my back. They're going to help me provide fresh greens and create amazing soil for growing a container garden next year. Right now, my listeners can get free access to their entire library. You can check it out and see all they have to offer at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting and sign up today. Remember, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. I'm here each week bringing you information to help you on your parenting journeys, so let me know what you need. Let me know if there's a show that struck a chord with you or helped you in some way, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear covered on the show. Just email me at connect at mightyparenting.com and let me know what you're thinking and what you need. Today's show um, might be a little bit challenging for some parents, and it's also one you may want to pop in headphones to listen to depending on who else is around you. We've said this before, so you know, little pitchers have big ears and everybody has their comfort zones and what they talk to or talk about in front of you know, younger kids and things. And today we're going to be talking about sexuality and we're also covering sexual and gender identity. These are topics that many parents are uncomfortable with, and so I am really grateful to have someone who is very comfortable helping us get comfortable (laughs) with everything to do with talking about sexuality. Her name is Sarah Sproul, and she is joining us to help us with this conversation. Sarah is an occupational therapist who talks about sex. She uses her master's in sexuality studies to help parents talk to their kids about sex and sexuality in a healthy way. And she's going to be helping us navigate these waters today. Sarah, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Sandy. Thanks for the invitation. I'm glad that we've got together on the air. I've so enjoyed the conversations that we've been having. You have such a beautiful heart and so much compassion for parents as we traverse these conversations and and compassion for our kids as well as they traverse them with us or deal with us avoiding them. It's a complex part of being human, having a sexuality and then parenting someone who is developing their sexual self. So compassion is really the starting point for all of this, because otherwise, if we treat ourselves harshly, then, you know, where can we go from there? It's hard work enough as it is. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that 
like I said, a lot of parents are just uncomfortable with it. You know that better than we do mm-hmm. because that's what you help us do. But I'm kind of wondering, like, why are we so uncomfortable talking about sexuality with our kids? Yeah, and that's a great question because um, most people, most parents would have some sort of level of discomfort. And what I've learned um, in the years that I'm doing this work is mostly it's to do with the things we were taught when we were small. So oftentimes we're raised in families or communities where sex and sexuality is sort of seen as something that is secretive and maybe something that's a little bit dirty. Maybe we've taught to believe it's sort of scary because things can go wrong. Um, And um, so all those stories that we have collected in our head about being a sexual person uh, influences our ability to talk about these things in a calm, confident, comfortable way. Like if we we could equally be programmed to believe talking about vegetables was um, sort of dangerous and scary, and then we might have trouble talking about carrots and broccoli and, you know, all those sorts of things, but we haven't been programmed. We consider those things to be normal everyday life, just like um, our digestion and our skin and our our bones and our muscles, none of those have a stigma or a shame or a fear around them. But our sexuality is a completely different part of our body and part of being human. So there are lots of sort of thoughts and judgments around sex. And that is why I think parents seem to have trouble having just normal everyday conversations about this stuff. Well, and I think a lot of times parents think of talking about sex as the talk. Like there's this mm-hmm. one-time conversation that's going to happen and it needs to happen pre-puberty or mm-hmm. in you know, early puberty. And so for parents of teens and 20-somethings, is this something that we even need to be talking about with their teenagers? If they're 14, 15, 18, do they really need a conversation at this point? It's a great question. Do you know... I have a question that I ask when I'm talking to groups of parents and the question is like, how old do you think your child needs to be to, for you to start having conversations with them, to give them all the information and support they need to grow up to be a confident, kind, caring person who respects themselves and the people around them. And parents will sometimes say, oh yeah, maybe around nine or 10 when we're leading up to puberty. Some parents will say, oh, maybe when they start asking questions. Some parents will say, well, actually maybe around sort of two because they're, you know, touching their private parts, their genitals, and we need to teach them all the stuff. And and my answer to all that is, you know what, we need to start having conversations with our child no matter what age they are. As soon as we realize that us as parents, we have an amazing opportunity to um, give our children permission to be themselves. And when it comes to being ourselves, say in the job that we choose or the sport that we play or um, on the sort of haircut we decide to have those things are important and part of our of who we are but our sexuality is something so much deeper and um there is so much so many chances of um feeling shamed and embarrassed and worried about um the sort of person we are in our sexuality so as parents if we want to raise a young person 
and a future adult who um, who believes they are lovable, right? Who believes that they are worthy of respect, then we can use our influence with our child to show them that no matter who they are and um, what their body looks like um, and who they love, they are worthy of love and respect and we are here to support them. Now, of course, consent comes into all that and we will be teaching um, children about how to respect other people in the world, right? So respect is part of consent. Um, So we are saying to parents, look, you're teaching your child how to respect other people outside there in the world, but you also have a responsibility, if at all possible, to teach your young person that um, no matter who they are, who they love, what their body looks like, um, that they are also worthy of respect and love in return. And that is the crux of it. And that's why as parents, um, even if our children are in their 20s or in their 30s, then we still have a role to play in making sure that they... um, love themselves, respect themselves, and um, appreciate that other people need to respect them in return. That's interesting because you're not going to the place of, yes, we need to sit down and have a conversation with them about the mechanics of sex and safe sex and when to have sex. You're talking Mm. about that underlying, very internal piece of self-worth. And I think that's the beginning, actually, of all those other practical conversations, Sandy. So say um, we were taught, we we did, we you know, parents, it's important to have conversations if we can. And I put my hand up and say not everyone is capable of this, but having conversations about, well, what are STIs and how do they, how can we get them and how can we protect ourselves from them? Um, um, how do we negotiate consent and make sure that we are being kind and generous uh, if someone else is sharing parts of their body with us? Um, but um, the deeper underlying assumption is that we know how to respect ourselves and that we are worthy of loving and that we know how to respect someone else and that they are also worthy of love and respect. So everything flows from that really, the way I see the world anyway. And it's interesting to me because this seems like it would be a much more comfortable place for parents Mm. to start having these conversations. You're not just walking into your kid's room and going, hey, let's talk about how people have sex. Let's talk about STIs. And you're you're coming from a place that if you're a mighty parent, we're always talking about having conversations with our kids, conversations that help build relationship, conversations Mm. that help build their self-compassion, self-esteem, self-worth. So this is just one more angle on those conversations in our world. Absolutely. I love the way you said that because that's exactly right. Like as human beings, we have all different facets of ourselves. Um, 
And our sexuality is just part, another part of being human. And all the skills and the abilities that we use to sort of muddle through life in every other aspect, whether that's how we treat our work colleagues or um, how do we order food from a restaurant in a respectful way, all those skills and abilities in terms of listening and expressing ourselves all come into play in, um, in the way we are our sexual self as well and how we um, interact with other people's sexuality. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's really no different. I think the only difference is that we have been taught to believe that this part of being human is somehow maybe wrong or dangerous or scary. Right. So what happens if we avoid that conversation because I can see both sides of this going, oh, well, it's, you know, I'm just initiating one more conversation, but I can also see a parent who is feeling uncomfortable go, well, then mm. if it's just one more conversation on self-worth, I'm already doing all of these. Why do I need to go here? I'll just let that slide. What happens mm. if we just let that slide? So there are lots of messages in our world about what is the right way to be. And when I say there are lots of messages in our world, what I mean is that the films we watch, the news we listen to, the YouTube videos and everything online that we consume, there are subtle messages about who is right and who is less than right, right? So there will be messages around sexuality that our children are getting online. And that may be things like, um, well, here's an example. It's, it's okay to have um, one night stands or, you know, uh, sex with someone who maybe you don't, you're not in a relationship with. Maybe other messages will be things like everybody should be having sex, depending on what media you consume. Um, maybe some of the media our children consume will be you shouldn't have sex till you're married. And all these messages come at us and our kids. And depending on what our child is like, those messages either might make sense to them, like it might align with who they know they are. Like we may be raising a child who is not interested in having um, sex unless they are in a committed relationship with someone. And so those messages that come from movies that say that's the only sex you should have makes sense to them. But equally, we will have another child who um, is interested in exploring, um, likes to try different things, is happy to engage in intimate sort of physical interactions with someone, maybe if they've only known each other a few hours. And so, and now this is where the conversation gets difficult, right? Because there will be some of us as parents who believe that that sort of casual sexual encounters are wrong. And this is where, um, as our child starts to work out who they are, if they start to notice that they actually enjoy those sort of encounters and they do them in consensual and kind ways and no one gets hurt. When our child does those things that are in um, sort of competition with what we believe to be true, we are then faced with this issue of, can I still support my child who is discovering who they are and is not hurting anyone now. Remember in this, in this scenario, no one is getting hurt. 
everything's okay. So can I support my child and remind them that they are worthy of love and affection and they are still close to my heart? Or do I need to go with what I believe to be right for everybody on the planet, which is that there is this one particular way of having sex in one particular sort of relationship and everyone needs to, um, to do it that way, otherwise they are wrong. And that's a really tough place for parents to find themselves. I, mm. because our conversation today, you have beliefs, I have beliefs, every parent in the Mighty Parenting community has their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And no two of us are going to absolutely 100% line up on every belief about everything in the world. Yep. And that's going to be the same thing with our kids. Their beliefs are not going to be 100% line up with everything that we believe about the world. However, when you come into this realm of sexuality, these are beliefs that can be very strongly held by parents and oftentimes mm -hmm. can also tie into faith and spiritual beliefs. You know, and yeah. it could be the opposite. You know, we're, it, we're, we tend to um, think more of parents having an issue because the parents believe in monogamous heterosexual sex, maybe after marriage only, right? And their child does something different, but it can happen the other way around too. The parent could be a free spirit who believes in experimentation and, and you know, whatever the, the parent yes. may have, whatever more open and free beliefs And the child might be the one who is like, no, sex yeah. should happen you know, in, in this heterosexual monogamous relationship and the parent can feel judged. The child can feel yeah. judged. It's kind of a mess. So what are some things that we can do, you know, starting from this place of compassion, we said, right, we need to have compassion mm -hmm. for our kids and we need to have compassion for ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we find ourselves at this almost an impasse, mm -hmm. how can we start working through that so we can love and support our child? Because I can't imagine there's a parent who would listen to Mighty Parenting mm -hmm. who isn't here because they want to love and support their child. Mm, yeah. So it's like any difficult conversation and it, I, it's hard to live in the world without having had a conversation with someone who has completely different beliefs to ours, right? And so there are some general broad guidelines about having difficult conversations that we can fall back on and use for this difficult conversation that we are raising a child that has different values or has made different um, decisions, lifestyle decisions to us. And it falls back to res respect for differences, um, learning to listen and learning to state what is true for us in a way that we are talking, we, we are honoring what is true for us right? And acknowledging that other people in the world may not have the same experience and may not have the same um, belief system or even the same body. Like human diversity, and I use that word to just mean 
all the ways we are different is the most extraordinary thing. I, I know that you talk about neurodiversity in your world. And so neurodiversity will impact in a person, the, the way a person lives their sexual sexuality, um, how we, um, how we deal with sensory input. So like, um, do I like someone to touch my body or do I want to keep my body to myself for the whole of my life? That impacts um, how I live my sexuality. And so um, when we look at people's decisions on the outside, we have no idea what is actually going on in their amazing diverse self that has meant that that decision has been the right one for them. So when we are staying true to what we believe, it is possible, absolutely possible to say very clearly, look, what, what I believe to be true and what has worked for me in my life, and that's an important qualifier, is this particular thing. Um, you know, that I have chosen not to get married because I'm not the marrying type and I have enjoyed, you know, maybe this is all theoretical, by the way, because uh, I am married with three kids and live a very boring lifestyle. But um, um, a parent might be saying that I've chosen not to get married and I've lived a life where I've been free to see people who I need to see. And I think that is the best lifestyle. And at the same time, I can see from you that you are different to me and that you need the stability of a partner and uh, a spouse maybe, and that you want to get married. And I, you know, I respect and love you for who you are. And so that sort of thing of being able to stand strong in what we know is right for us. And that for us is really important as a parent, if we want to support our child as they are making decisions that are different to us. And then to be able to listen to them as they describe why or how the decisions and um, actions they've taken in their life is important for them. And the listening is so important because when we are listening to someone tell us something that is different to what we have chosen for ourselves, oftentimes it can be really hard for that person to say those things to us, particularly if it is a child talking to a parent, because you know that power dynamic in parenting and you know that the parent is older, they have had control over their child for a certain number of years and that child knows very well what our what our um our views and our values are and so for them to come to us and start a conversation or even i would say honor us with the opportunity to hear what their lived experience is that is a hard thing for even grown children to do because children don't want to um push their parent away they they deeply desire for us to respect and love them and accept them for who they are so in this moment when there is a conversation between a parent and maybe a grown child where they are coming up and telling us something that is very different to what we have chosen for ourselves in our life I think as a parent we need to honor the bravery and the courageous action that that child has taken to um, open up to us about something that we might find really hard. I 
think that was a beautiful way of <laughs> explaining it. And and not once did you tell us that we just have to change our beliefs. This is we're we're in this space where we are working with mm. our child to work together because these are teenagers and twenty somethings, right? So mm. we're working together to find our way forward, but coming from this place of respect. Yeah. And asking them to do the same, not yes. to accept each other's ideas right in this moment, but to say, hey, let's let's talk, let's share our experiences and share where we are coming from with each other. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Sandy, um, p- parents are telling me time and time again that the experience of parenting for them particularly with adult children who have some independence and going off and finding their own way has been one of the most, um, I'm trying to think of the word where it's, it's, it's grown up the parent. So I'm noticing this in my own parenting. So my eldest is only 16 and, but they are starting to make decisions that really challenge me and I'm starting to learn that oh the world isn't exactly the way I thought it was there it's possible to do things differently my children are showing me that so they are growing me up as they grow up you know so it's almost like uh, our child does us the service of bringing us to this place where we have to look at really hard things really complex things like um, what can be right for me is not necessarily right for you and challenging beliefs that we have maybe have held for all of our life um, now they will challenge those beliefs in us um, maybe not even on purpose just because they are living their gorgeous authentic selves and so then we have the gift of this chance to look at everything again and go okay well what how do my beliefs sit with what my child is doing now and do i value my connection with them over other things or am i you know it just becomes this real mind bending uh chance to grow as a parent And our child is almost like dragging us along. We're not on purpose, but just saying, I'm going to go and do my thing, mom and dad or parent. And it's up to you, you know, how you want to deal with this. Yeah. And these are difficult conversations. They're difficult things to handle. And they can be even more so when what our child is coming to tell us is that, you know, they are gay, lesbian, or transgender. Because Mm -hmm. these are things many of us just aren't even really educated about. We don't understand it. Again, it can go against long-held beliefs that we had. But Mighty Parents know that we openly discuss issues. This is real talk about raising teens Mm -hmm. and young adults. And we definitely dive into mental health issues. And, um, LGBTQ youth are, they contemplate suicide at three times the rate of heterosexual youth. They're almost five times as likely to attempt suicide, and they are five times more likely to require medical treatment if they attempt. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are statistics, but what these statistics show us is the emotional pain that 
our children are dealing with if they are gay, lesbian, transgender, queer, and and I don't know all the terminology. I've I've mm-hmm. expanded my scope of understanding what this is. Um, and so I'm wondering as a parent who has a child come to them who says, hey, you know, mom and dad, I'm I I'm gay or I think I'm transgender. It seems to me that it's still the same conversation. It's still just, it's a difficult conversation. We can go back to what you just taught us. Is there anything else we need to be aware of though, in that case? Yes. And to, if your child comes to you with that conversation, can I just applaud you for the fact that whatever you have done in your parenting, you have created the environment where your your child, your young person feels able to come and tell you that hard thing because it is a hard thing to come out and it is a hard thing to come out to the people whose opinion matters to us the most. And so I think as parents, we need to remember that in that moment, Everything that we have done in our parenting has led our child to that point where they felt able to come to us. And how could it be possible, even if we're feeling a little bit shocked because we had no idea this was even on the horizon, could it be possible to pause and say to ourselves, this is an honor that my child is telling me this and it is a credit to me that I have created the environment and relationship with my child that they, they feel able to do this. And maybe just if it's at all possible, and I know it's really hard, but just to take a moment to feel proud, really, really proud, not just of your child because they're doing a really brave thing, but for yourself as well. I like that. Yeah, we can, we can get caught in what's difficult about it. Mm. and forget to celebrate the beauty that we have built, that beautiful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so taking that moment, (laughs) taking Mm. a deep breath there, what else do we need to be aware of at that moment? That our child is, will be feeling incredibly vulnerable because, um, our sexuality is such a deep part of who we are, right? So that's the first thing. So they're not just telling us they're going to change their hair color. They're telling us something deeply, intrinsically central to who they are. So that will mean that when they come to us, there's huge vulnerability because they don't know how we're going to react. So they have a massive need for um, reassurance and an expression of love. So if it was at all possible um, to be able to do that for them in some way, whether that's by saying just something simple like, thank you for telling me, I feel honored that you would share that. Because whatever we feel about LGBTQ it's all the people in this moment, this is our child coming to us with this particular thing. So to thank them for the honor of doing that is a really good first step because um, we don't have to be thinking in our head, um, 
well, have they got a partner already or are they going for an operation or what will everyone else think? Just stay in the moment, take a deep breath and thank your child for coming and letting you know. And some parents also find it really useful to say, and I love you so much. I, I, I love you and I've loved you from the moment you were born and you have changed in so many different ways over that course of your life. And this is another change that I if we can say this with truthfulness, um, that I am with you on this journey. I appreciate that. And partly because you just went to this honest place of, I love you. And no matter what our beliefs, whether we are totally fine with this or whether we have serious issues with it or we believe that there's a moral issue around it, Regardless of any of that, you do still love your child. And so just going to that place with them in that moment, and then, like you said, just be in that moment. Don't freak out and worry about all the future. Just being there. Um, I never thought about it before, but I, I think that just staying there and going, I appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate our relationship, your bravery, and I love you. And just being in that can really help set the stage for figuring out how to move forward or actually moving forward with your child in whatever that looks like for your family. Mm, yeah. And I, and I think um, that it's, it's almost like this gift that they are giving us of self-disclosure. It's almost like any other time that our child has come to us with something complex. And I would say all parents have this experience of a child coming home from school and something not having gone well, you know. And so we use the same skills that we used way back then in this um, experience that you and I are talking about here, Sandy. We, we listen we pay attention with our body language. We, we, um, we look them in the face and um, put an inquiring, loving expression on our face. And if we do need to, you know, go that bit further and to support them further, we can ask the question, um, what do you need from me? Mm. They, may, they may need nothing. They may have um, had a good number of years where this has been part of their identity and their life and they are coming to tell us now. So they may, not, may need nothing, but they, they may need something from us. They may say, look, I'm actually, um, I've been bullied terribly at college or at work because of this. And I, I just need to talk to someone who's got my back. Like we don't know what their needs are. And I think as parents, sometimes we might jump to the conclusion that they're coming to tell us because things are really bad, but it's quite possible that things aren't bad and that they just want us to know they want to bring us into their world and, and, um, be fully known by the parent who loves them. So that um, that question can be the, the next level of um, interaction with your child or your, your grown adult um, in this scenario. I love that. And Sarah, this basically, <laughs> if I was boiling down our conversation, I'm like, okay, we when it comes to talking to our kids about sexuality, we boil everything down to having some compassion for ourselves and for them. 
if this is not an easy thing for us to discuss or for them to discuss, you know, sometimes the parent is comfortable and the child isn't. So we need to have some compassion. And we start out by just talking to our kids about respect and letting them know that they are worthy of respect and doesn't matter. They are lovable no matter who they are, what they look like. And also to teach them to respect other people in the world that way Mm -hmm. and realize that our kids need our support, whatever is happening, going through adolescence, through the teen years, the early 20 somethings, there's so much happening in their world. There's so much change and sexuality is at our core, a big part of who we are. So they definitely need just our support and to know that we're there for them. And if we find that we have very different ideas, that we just use the same rules as we do for other difficult conversations, respect differences, learning to state what's true for us, listening without judgment or interrupting about what's true for them and their experiences. And in fact, so Mighty Parents, you know, we pre-record. So um, Jude Bijou is doing a show for us on communication and We're going to talk about that, and I will make sure to link that in the show notes to give you more more detail and go on a deeper dive of how to have, um, actually, resolve conflict. So Mm -hmm. that'll be helpful there. But then just, you know, if, if there are differences, whether it's differences in lifestyle or whether it's a difference in who they are versus who we thought they were going to be, if they are... Um, LGBTQ, if they believe differently about when and how sex happens than we do, just know that whatever those differences, we love our child and that it's important to let them know that. So they have that Mm -hmm. emotional support even as you work through living with the differences. And Sarah, that that kind of it gives us, I feel like it gives us a very solid place to be with our kids in terms of talking about sexuality with them. Well, it, I mean, what you've just recapped there, it just reminds me how parenting, there, there are core skills. And while some parts of parenting may feel more complicated than other parts. The core skills come to bat for us every single time. And you've outlined them so beautifully. And I love that you have someone coming onto the podcast to talk about, you know, communication and conflict, because those skills are the sort of the the heartbeat of conversations with our grown children about sexuality, lifestyle choices, and sex. Yeah, we'll make sure we get those two linked up on each other for the show notes. Um, If you go into show notes, folks, and it's not there yet, I promise it'll be coming soon. I'll, I'll try and get these out about the same time. But Sarah, for listeners who want to learn more about you, or I know that you actually have help for parents who are like, I can't navigate this by myself. I have no idea how to do this, or I'm just, I don't even think I can do this. Could you let them know where they can find you and get more help from you? Sure. So my website is sarahsproul.com. And there are a few different ways that I work with parents. I have a course and a membership Um, for something like this, this particular topic we've talked about. It's probably 
better to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation because some of us it's it's complicated right and sometimes we just need someone who understands to be a listening ear to help us work out uh, exactly how to move our relationship with our children forward or to deal with the things in our past that have meant that um, our, our judgments or our beliefs around uh, these parts of being human get in the way of our connection with our child. So it's all over there on my website. And um, I run a judgment-free service. So it's, as we have said over and over again in this episode, it's about compassion, not just for our child, but also for ourselves and not expecting ourselves to do more than we're capable of in the moment. I love that. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us and for just candidly sharing insights and giving us some ideas and a roadmap that we can follow to love and support our child. You're so welcome. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with another parent. We want to help every parent on their parenting journey. Thank you for joining us today and for being part of our Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. Being human, get in the way of our connection with our child. So it's all over there on my website. And um, I run a judgment-free service. So it's, as we have said over and over again in this episode, it's about compassion, not just for our child, but also for ourselves and not expecting ourselves to do more than we're capable of in the moment. I love that. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us and for just candidly sharing insights and giving us some ideas and a roadmap that we can follow to love and support our child. You're so welcome. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with another parent. We want to help every parent on their parenting journey. Thank you for joining us today and for being part of our Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.